All the way down. Okay, okay, then you can float if you need to, all right? Just, I need everyone's attention. Okay, thank you, thank you. Now, you may all be wondering why I brought you here today to the International Space Station. Well, it's been brought to my attention that you have been leaving your space junk all over outer space, and now, it's time to clean it up. Oh, yeah, right. It's not even mine. No, I don't care whose junk it is. It's a mess up here, and it's dangerous. And if we don't clean it up, someone is going to get hurt. Astronauts, I'm only going to say this once. Clean up your outer space right this minute, or no freeze-dried ice cream for dessert. Hey, Mindy, uh, who, who are you yelling at in here? I, I, I could hear you all the way from my house. Oh, hey, Guy Raz. I'm just imagining what I would say to the astronauts on the International Space Station if I had the chance. What? Uh... And it is not going well. Uh... Here, pop the top of my head and see for yourself. I still feel weird about doing this, Mindy. Ugh, here, I'll do it for you. Just... Get out of here! Whoa, quick, close it back up before they get out! Hi. See what I mean? Yeah, well, wow, those astronauts are really mad. What's going on? I know, I just asked them to clean up all their scrap metal and junk that's floating around in space. It's a mess up there. You mean all those bits of old satellites and empty rocket parts and pieces of metal just floating around Earth? Yeah, it's just this giant junk jumble that's been growing since 1957. Which, by the way, is the same year that humans first launched a rocket into space. And that was the rocket that carried the world's first space satellite called Sputnik. Still the best name ever. Oh, yeah. That was launched by Russia. You are a little baby Einstein, Guy Raz. <laughs> Anywho, ever since then, we humans have been launching more and more and more and more and more rockets and satellites up into space. Mindy, did, did you happen to investigate just how much much junk is even up there? Sure did. So the last time I counted... You did not count it, Mindy. Okay, so the last time someone else counted, NASA, they found more than 500,000 pieces of space junk all the size of a marble or larger just orbiting or circling around the Earth. Wow. And now there are so many pieces of metal floating up there and orbiting around our planet that it's actually making things dangerous. Dangerous as in some of this junk can actually 
crash into other junk? Yep. And in fact, this junk is flying around so fast that it's pretty surprising that there aren't even more accidents and crashes. Yeah, I, I see your point. And, and I imagine that this can cause real problems for satellites, like, like the ones we use to help forecast our weather or the ones that take pictures of Earth. Yeah, and it could also be dangerous for the human astronauts aboard the International Space Station. Yikes! And I'd imagine that crashes caused by the space junk would probably create even more space junk that would go on to destroy more objects in space, like a like a chain reaction of junk and disaster. You know it, Guy Raz. In fact, there's even a name for this crazy catastrophic chain reaction. Really? Yep. It's known as the Kessler Syndrome, and it's named after the NASA scientist Donald J. Kessler, who first came up with the idea all the way back in 1978. Hmm. The Kessler Syndrome. A catastrophic chain reaction of junk and disaster. Uh-huh. That sounds like... Hey, that, that sounds like you, Mindy. What? I can't believe you noticed, Guy Raz. Uh, <laughs> hey, have you ever wondered what it might feel like to fly through all that space junk? Come to think of it, not really. Well, then you're in luck, my friend, because I have purchased not one, but two space debris-proof rubber space flying suits. And I got one just your size. What? Then I lost uh, it. So I had to go back to the store, and they only had toddler sizes left. No. So I had to get one of those for you. It's no. going to be a tight squeeze, no. but it will be worth it. No. Here, put this on. Whoa. Come on, you can do hard things. <laughs> Just second everything you got. <laughs> there you go, little buddy. This thing. Now just try not to exhale while I jump into my seat. This uh, a little tight. All set. Ready to go? You, you promise this is going to protect us? No, I can't promise you that. But what's a few bumps and bruises, Guy Raz, when you are in the pursuit of science? Yeah, fair enough. Okay. So listen carefully, because here's how it's going to work. So first, my carrier pigeon Reggie is going to fly us up to the upper reaches of the stratosphere. Uh... Then we're going to have to use these rocket launchers on our rubber spacesuits to get us into low Earth orbit, okay? Okay, Mindy. Reggie, slap on your space goggles, you cuckoo old bird. We're ready for takeoff. Guy Raz, let's say the magic words. Here we go! I get the point. 
Wait, can, can, can we rocket back to Earth now? Ah, sorry, I can't hear you, Guy Raz. I'm already halfway back to Earth. Oh, brother. Rocket boosters on. Back to Earth. What? Oh, no. Oh, hey, Guy Raz. Ah. Where'd you come from? You were right, Mindy. It's a veritable junkyard up there in space. So now do you see why I wanted to get the astronauts to help clean it up? Yeah, but it's going to be virtually impossible for the astronauts to do it alone. I mean, they're going to need some help. You better believe it, Guy Raz. So then why don't we just invent like like a giant space net for them? Well, scientists have actually thought of that, but it wouldn't work because it would be so hard to capture all of that junk and keep it from floating out of the net. And of course, I guess a vacuum cleaner wouldn't work because it needs the air pressure here on Earth to suck things in. Yep, and in space, there isn't enough air pressure to get the vacuum cleaner to suck stuff up. So what can we do? I mean, how can we solve this problem of space junk? Well, the good news, Guy Raz, is that some super inventive scientists and engineers are already on the case. That's a relief. So what's their solution? Oh, geckos. Geckos? Well, not whole geckos, just their feet. Now, I did buy my car insurance from a gecko, but but I'm not sure he'd survive in outer space. Wait, did you really buy your car insurance from a gecko? You were the one to recommend him to me. You you said he'd give me a discount. I didn't think it would actually work. Anywho, back to the gecko feet. I'm with you, I think. So, you know how when you chase a gecko up a wall or a sliding glass door? Uh, no, uh, I've never tried that. Well, I've tried it, and let me tell you, it's not as easy as it looks. Uh, okay. Scale up super smooth walls like nobody's beeswax, and then laugh at you as they hang upside down by the tips of their toes. Right, and they're able to do this because they have super special sticky toes, right? Well, this is where it gets interesting. So if you were to look at the bottoms of their toes under a microscope, you'd notice that they're actually covered in teeny tiny microscopic hairs called setae. Interesting. But how are hairy gecko toes going to help clean up all that space junk in low Earth orbit? Well, the story begins with an engineering professor at Stanford University in California named Mark Kudkowski. And he came up with this crazy idea, which he published in the journal Science Robotics. What was the idea? The idea was that by using something called biomimicry... Biomimicry? That means using animals and plants as the inspiration for new technology, for for inventing cool new things. Exactly. So in this case, that animal would be the gecko. And the gecko's sticky feet. You're picking up what I'm putting down, Guy Raz. So Professor Kukoski and his team designed a robot that is actually a giant gripper. Like a big robot hand? Yeah, kind of. And the bottom of it is covered in thousands of tiny bristles to mimic or copy the settee hairs on the gecko's feet. Wow. And what's really crazy is that each tiny bristle is ten times thinner than a human hair. But how do these tiny hairs on the gecko feet and the robot help to create a sticky effect. Well, on both the gecko and the robot, the hairs or bristles work together to create a special kind of sticky electric force. Wait a minute. 
Are you referring to the Vanderwaals force? I knew this would excite you. So there are atoms or teeny tiny little balls of material which, to be clear, we cannot see with our own eyes. And they're on the hairs of the robot hand and the gecko. And those atoms stick to the other atoms on the space junk? Whew, that is a complicated phenomenon. But when it works, it can create a really tight, sticky bond between two things. Kind of like a friendship. Yeah, just like you and me. I get it. Yeah, and the tiny bristles are put on little pads that are attached to the robot. So it's kind of like a little robot hand or foot that the astronauts can hold on to and control. Wow, and so that's how it's able to grab onto the space junk? You got it. Just like a gecko can stick and unstick its feet to walk up a wall. And this way, the robot can grab the space trash, move it, and then, I guess, let it go. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, I'll say. And Professor Kodkowski and his team are designing this robot to be able to stick to and capture the biggest and most dangerous space junk up there. But, I mean, how big and strong will these robots be? Because, I mean, space junk can be huge. Some space junk is the size of trucks just floating around up there. I mean, it's pretty heavy garbage. Well, that's the thing. Because there's so little gravity in space, really heavy things like broken satellites or spacecrafts or space minivans aren't actually heavy at all. It's a little bit like when you float in water and you feel a lot lighter. Yeah, so the astronauts that you were scolding in your imagination actually might be able to clean up some of this junk. That's what I was trying to tell them. These astronauts would be able to take handheld robots with sticky pads and stick them to pieces of space trash, move it, and then unstick it. Yeah, but where would they put it, Mindy? I mean, it's not like they're dumpsters floating around in space. Oh, this is crazy. So they would push the space trash back towards the Earth, which means that as it came back flying towards the Earth, the speed would create so much heat that the junk would naturally burn up before it even reached our planet. Wow. Or they could even take some of it and put it inside a special spaceship to be recycled. So by cleaning up this giant garbage pile floating around in space, we would actually be making space a little bit safer. Yep. And this same gecko foot-inspired technology could also be used to help us regular humans here on Earth. Really? How so? Well, some medical researchers are thinking that maybe they could use it to create a special kind of tape that could be used in place of stitches. <laughs> or even a pair of gloves that could give a person the ability to climb like Spider-Man. Wow, I will never look at geckos the same again, Mindy. Me neither, Guy Raz. I'll never look at any animal's superpowers the same way again. Hey, you know what? That, that reminds me. Speaking of all this biomimicry and animal superpowers, did you know that Velcro was inspired by the tiny hooks or burrs from bushes and plants that stick to our clothes? No way! Prickly plants are nature's Velcro? Well, can you guess why researchers are studying how schools of fish swim together without bumping into one another? Hmm, I wonder if that might have something to do with wanting to figure out how to do the same thing with cars, with driverless cars, you know, to keep them from crashing. Yep. And hey, have you heard of the Ultra Cane? The edible peppermint candy walking cane that people can suck on when they're not using it to help them walk? What? what? No, 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 no. It's a cane for the blind which uses echolocation or sound waves to tell the person using it that they're close to an object 
like a wall. It's the same technique used by dolphins and bats. Man, it's so cool to think that biomimicry of the smallest creatures could solve some of the biggest problems in our universe. So, uh, about those astronauts in your head who are trying to get out of cleaning up their space junk? Oh, yeah. So, you want to break the news to them? I don't know if my insurance covers climbing into your imagination, Mindy. It does if you bring your gecko insurance salesman. Okay. Here we go. Easy does it. Do I just uh, climb inside? Take your shoes off first. (sighs) Got it. You got it. I'm right inside. Yep. I'm in here now. Now what, Mindy? Okay, now take the podium and show them who's boss. Uh, uh, um, uh, astronauts, uh, hello. Uh, you're you're gonna have to clean up your space job. I'm an adult. Now tell them the good news. But but thanks to the common reptile known as the gecko, cleaning up outer space is about to get a lot more fun. Wow in the world, we'll be right back. Grown-ups, this message is for you. Support for Wow in the World and the following message for parents come from Tara's Kitchen. Exploration in the kitchen shouldn't take hours or make a huge mess. That's why Tara's Kitchen created nutritionist-designed, kid-friendly meal kits that serve a family of four. Recipe ingredients for meals like cheeseburger pizza are delivered washed, measured, and chopped so kids can help. Plus, meals are done in under 30 minutes, so you can cook while you listen to Wow in the World together. Join at terraskitchen.com and get three meals free with promo code WOW. Support also comes from Bombas. The owners of Bombas started in the sock game when they heard socks were the number one requested clothing item in homeless shelters. That's why for every pair of socks they sell, they donate a pair to someone in need. But they also set out to solve every annoying sock problem. Bombas socks stay warm in the winter and cool in the summer, have added arch support, no annoying toe seam, and they don't fall down your leg. Get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash wow. That's it. Back to the show. Wow in the world. Hi, what's your name? My name is Samuel. Samuel, how would you clean up all of the junk in space? I'll send Wally up there. So your solution is Wally. Yes. <laughs> What's your name? My name is Evan. Evan, how would you clean up outer space? I would build a spaceship, and it would have a thing that collects the junk and reuses it. Hey, what's your name? Daniel. Daniel, how would you clean up all the space trash? With like a dump truck scooper thing and throw it towards Mars. A space dump truck? Yeah. What's your name? Samantha. Samantha, how would you clean up all of the trash in outer space? Like in the really far future, we can maybe have a tour of space type bus so people could see space, but it would also be doing good for the environment, getting all the space junk. And then at the end, it would just burn all the trash. Samuel, what do you think the punishment should be for astronauts who don't clean up their outer space? It's survivor (laughs) button space. Who will be voted off first? Who will be voted off outer space? I wasn't thinking about that. (laughs) Uh. So Daniel, what would you do with all of that space junk if they dumped it all in your front yard? I would burn it. What about you, Evan? I would build another spaceship. Samantha? 
space junk artwork because I've seen people do that with marine debris. What are your names? I'm Melanie. And I'm Abby. We would We'd make, make a, a fort. A fort. <laughs> like, It'd be huge. Exactly. And like, all of our friends could hang out there. It'd just, be like our own little personal house. Just imagine it, like in its glory. You guys, what if we all went up to outer space and just built the fort up there? That'd we so should. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Wait, that would be, yeah, that would be awesome. Where would we build it on? There's no little islands in space. Well, well why so many questions, Evan? Yeah, Evan. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Sam. <laughs> Let's do another one. Wow in the world. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Wow in the World this week. And parents, if you want to continue the conversation with your kids, we've posted some questions about this episode at our website, wowintheworld.com. And while you're there, you can find links to some of the sources we use to tell our stories this week. Also, we love hearing from you. You can write us at hello at wowintheworld.com. Our show is produced by Jed Anderson. Say hello, Jed. Hello. Our theme song, Wow in the World, was written and performed by The Pop-Ups. Check them out at thepopups.com. Big thanks to the kids you heard in today's episode. Sam, Daniel, Evan, Samantha, Abby, and Melanie, thank you so much for sharing your ideas with us. Now go clean your rooms. Also, we love hearing what's been wowing you. For a chance to be featured on an upcoming Thursday episode, have your grown-ups help you share something that's recently wowed your world by dialing one 888 7 Thanks again for listening, subscribing, and telling your friends about our show. We'll be back for a brand new Thursday edition. In the meantime, go forth and find your own wow in the world. Cast and sent to you by NPR. Hey y'all, Sam Sanders here. My new podcast is called It's Been a Minute. That's another way of saying let's catch up. Every Friday, I'll sit down with two guests, smart talkers from inside and outside NPR, to catch up on the week of news and culture, everything. If you can't stop watching the news, but you're also exhausted by doing that, this show is for you. Don't miss out. Find It's Been a Minute now on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks.